Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for an episode on 24, your sister's favourite podcast. Uh, we always say mother. Mine, yours, like, all of us. We always say mother. So, not my sister's favourite, but um, I don't know about yours. Maybe, possibly. Um, do you have a sister? You've got a sister. You do have a sister. I do. Yes, yes. I always forget. Um, and tw- 24 is one of the few things on our podcast she's ever listened to. Ah. Uh, Ah, hello, Colin's sister. How are you doing? I know you're not single. I'm not trying to be creepy, but uh, (laughs) if you're ever single, give me a call. I don't know what you look like, but I'm sure if you're as good looking as Colin, then we're in with a shot. Uh, We're up to episode 15 of season four. Ben gets creepy about Colin's siblings, uh, 9pm to 10pm. First aired on the 28th of March, 2005. This was written by Joel Cernow and Michael Lochev and directed by Brian Spicer. You want to spice her up your life, then spicy. Give give Brian a call because he's spicy, spicer. I don't know. Uh, I'm intrigued to talk about this one. Uh, my name is Ben, and this is Meg. <laughs> Hi, I'm Meg. Um, I'm just. Uh, my name is Colin, and it's the job of the lead co-host. Isn't that what you think you are? Um, I don't know. Do I? Maybe? Possibly? I have no <laughs> idea. Um, this is a good episode. Get on with it, Meg. Shut up, Meg. Uh, this is a good episode. It's a setup episode, as I wrote in my article coming to 2027, whenever we finish all these. Um, but it's a solid setup episode. We've got, uh, last week was Thunderball. This week we've got Die Another Day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all the Bond tropes are getting ticked off. Uh, we've got... Can't some- wait till we get to Octopussy. <laughs> Oh, I know, right? Uh, bring on Moonraker when Jack Bauer goes to space in season nine. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'd believe more Jack Bauer going to space than James Bond. Just saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> that man is just, yeah, anyway. The guy robbed a convenience store, uh, you know. <laughs> I think that's not out of the realms of possibility. Whereas Bond, uh, listen to 007. Uh, but Marwan does some cool stuff. Beirut just disappears completely after this week. Um and we really get into some exciting action. What we're going to get to next week. It's our last ever pre-Logan episode. We never not know who Logan is after this week. And Bill Buchanan, the Oz Network's James Morrison shows up. So uh, I'm always excited for an Oz Network guest making an appearance on 24. Um, yeah, I can't wait until uh, Fran Drescher makes her appearance on 24. That's the ultimate. <laughs> Stay tuned for that in the oh, season. Oh, Mr. Bauer. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> We're attempting re-entry, Mr. Bauer. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Open a socket, Mr. Bauer. <laughs> Put your back in, Mr. Bauer. <laughs> but why? <laughs> She's Meg. She actually was meant to play Meg. She's definitely Meg, yes. <laughs> um no, I'm actually, we, we uh, originally going to record this uh, when we recorded last week's episode, but uh, we're unable to. Thank you, Jamie. But uh, <laughs> I'm actually glad that I have a couple extra days to sit on this one because I, I wasn't sure, you know, whether I was maybe overvaluing this episode, undervaluing this episode. Um, we'll find out by the end of this when we get to our rankings. But uh, I think that every once in a while you get an episode where like on the surface, if you read the plot synopsis, we're talking like six months from now when we're in the middle of covering season five or season six. And I'm like, so where did I write? Okay. I got to remember what my rankings mean. What was episode 15 of season four again? You read, you're like, Oh really? I ranked that one there. Uh, But when you watch this episode, like so much of it comes together so much better 
then I think a plot synopsis would actually lead you to believe. I think that there's so many things that are just done so well in this episode uh, that really I can't put my finger on why. Um, but uh, let's just say it's all because of James Morrison. He comes in there and he's on the ball. He's got things. It, 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 things are cooking. It, everything's everything's working at 24. Everything's working at CTU again. It's it's the dark hair. And like, let's be honest. Like, I mean, I know James Morrison has aged beautifully. The guy's a very good looking man. But like, it just, it's weird seeing him with dark hair. Like, honestly, it's almost like you watch this episode and go, has he dyed his hair? Like, and I don't know. Maybe he did. Like, maybe they were like, oh, we can't have James Morrison with gray hair. Because like, there are just some people that you just always picture looking a certain way right they've always got like it's weird when you go like back and watch season one of 24 once you've watched this through and you've got jack bauer with kind of like a long-haired mop like because you get Mm -hmm. so used to jack bauer like having a shaved head um (laughs) so like it's kind of it's a bit not jarring but like i don't know like bill buchanan with dark hair like do you think he died we should we get him back on the show james did you dye your hair like i know (laughs) famously matt leblanc used to he went gray very young so like during friends pretty much majority of friends he had to dye his hair uh so there's a fun fact friends fans there you go joey tribbiani should have gray hair but i don't know do you think he dyed his hair for this big questions on the internet you could you can see some gray in there so i don't know maybe he just turn gray overnight in between season four or season five or something like that. Or maybe he just had gray highlights and he, he's naturally dark hair. And he's like, I'm going to try some gray highlights in this season. I'm going to, I'm going to frost my tips gray. And then in the future seasons, like, I think I want to go all gray. I know I'm naturally dark haired, but I'll go all gray. But like some people, it suits them better. And it's partly like you said, what you're, to seeing but i mean you take tom cruise i mean i'm kind of going through it's my monthly tom cruise marathon watching right now <laughs> so i'm watching collateral and that's like the only oh, movie he movie. ever had where he didn't dye his hair he naturally had the the gray hair and that i'm like the gray hair looks better on tom cruise than than you know color in his hair and it's the same with james morrison like i wouldn't be surprised if, if <laughs> dark hair is his natural color just i think gray will look great on me i'm gonna try it I, I love that movie. Why have we never done Collateral? That's a good movie. Oh, let's um, do it. Let's let's do it right now. Welcome to Collateral. <laughs> Collateral. Don't mention the main actresses in this one because Will Smith will slap you. Um, <laughs> also, props to Eddie Murphy for his uh, joke recently at the Golden Globes. That was funny. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, and also, Brendan Fraser. What a man. Crying, winning his SAG award or whatever. And a critic's Nothing choice. to do with the Golden Globes. It's just as that time of the episode, we have to say props to Brendan Fraser. Oh, he's, it's, it's, he's the man. There's our joke for the year. Props to Brendan Fraser. Yeah, like, props to Brendan Fraser. <laughs> like on the on off the podium, how we have to give a shout out to the Birmingham Bull uh, every episode. There we go, twenty twenty three. Uh, by the way, props to Brendan Fraser uh, <laughs> for just for being Brendan Fraser. We're found it, Colin. We're found we our thing. Props to Brendan Fraser. Love it. Um, what are we talking about? Grey hair. Um, <laughs> Judy Dench looks good with grey hair. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just of, Pierce. Oh, yes. But it is like, are you gray? Like, are you going gray? Uh, you don't look I've like got, you I've go got gray. like a, no, I got like a few little ones here or pubes. there. Um, yeah, it's mostly in the pubes. Yes. <laughs> There's an image. I like, I'm getting to that point now where like, I think like the entire side of my head is like gray here. And then every time, well, Mr. I, Fantastic. Every time I get a haircut now, it's like freaky because when they like shave it, all it is is just clumps of gray. And you're like, what the fuck <laughs> is happening? Even my beard now, I'm getting like big patches of gray. So it's freaky. But like, I kind of think at the point now I'm, I'm like, I've been told by a few people, the gray looks good. So I'm kind of like, eh, I'll probably be gray by I'm 40. As I was reminded last night by my dad, my sister turns 40 this year, so I'm only an Olympiad away from turning 40, so I'll be great in four years. You can go full James Morrison. I will. I always go full Gray. I, I mean, imagine Noah Gray. I don't I don't think Noah. <laughs> <laughs> Is Noah ever going to turn Gray? I can't imagine Noah old. He's going to die by, time, by his 30 because he just drinks so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Noah's life expectancy is the lowest of everybody in the Oz Network. You know, it's just crazy. I always just think of Noah Young because he just turns me on so much. But he'll be 30 in two <laughs> years. He's growing up before our eyes. Like, you turned 40 recently. None of us gave a shit about that. But then, like, Noah no. turned 30. <laughs> oh, geez. None of us expected you to last this long. What, what props, a, to, props to Noah Groves. <laughs> what a man. I actually thought uh, I was listening. Here's just a tangent. I thought we killed Anne Haish on Double Oz 7 because... <laughs> I'm listening to the Entrapment episode, and I'm pretty sure that was pre-Anne Heche dying. Rest in peace, Anne Heche. And we were talking about, like, the whole old man, young woman trend of the late 90s, and we were talking about Six Days, Seven Nights. Great movie. We should do that. Uh, why don't we mm-hmm. do that for romance? Is that a romantic comedy? Could we do that instead of one? No, but that's more... 
romantic action, I guess. Yeah, I get, and I guess the ones we've chosen already fit in there. Anyway, but um, I was like listening, going like, oh god, do we mention anything about Anne Hache? Do we kill Anne Hache? And we didn't kill <laughs> Anne Hache, so just saying we were. I just so so off base here, but I just love uh, after the queen died, and I reminded Ben that's like you talked about the queen dying in her last episode, and you like adamantly died. No, that was not me killing her. And then it was like a couple months later, like I listened to her episodes, and I think I killed the queen. No, no, there was. I know, I told you that different episode. There was a different episode. Oh, you killed the queen more than once. Okay. Well, the the episode in which, yeah, I I I don't think I timestamped it, but there was an episode like a month or two before she died where we joked about it. The one that you keep referring to is we were. recording like the day when they were like the queen is in hospital and it doesn't look oh, good yeah. that was the one that you kept referring to because I'm that, like, that's the one you wash your hands clean up yeah, like, ah, yeah, the writing that, was already on the wall you know I me mean, i don't give a shit if i like turn around and like kill people on this show like it's a badge of honor but like that one it was like, like right now if we saw break like when rest in peace lisa marie presley like oh she's rushed hospital with a cardiac arrest. like you know she did like i mean rest in peace lisa marie but you People know. don't even know when we record these. Like we could start faking that we call these deaths. Yeah, we just we like, just oh, we're, <laughs> yeah. we're recording this as of January the third, and I bet you Lisa Marie Presley will be dead by the end of the month. Exactly. I mean, in all seriousness, the one that we let that the freakiest one that started with was Roger Moore, and that legitimately yeah. played out how it played out. But anyway, uh, and then Connery, it's like we got a trend here, Ben. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've we've killed Lazenby off on fifty episodes. When he eventually drops, <laughs> it, we're gonna be like, oh, we totally killed Lazenby. Um, rest in peace, George Lazenby, by the time this episode comes out, by the way. Um, so this episode, I watched it like a week ago, so uh, there may be bits that you're going to have to like fill in the gaps with. Um, any particular, like, did we, with the pilot story, I mean, we can kind of do the, I mean, we don't really see much of the pilot until right yeah. at the end. Did, did I think you did mention last week that, uh, he killed the other pilot in the back. We did, didn't we? So. Yeah. Basically, the the pilot plot line, which is, and again, you go into the point of like, yeah, you might not remember this when you see it on paper, but like the setup, the build up, this is what I've been talking about so much about what I love this storyline. And again, I'd like to know how you talk about them not really planning it. There had to be some sort of planning around this whole plot line because we got in that really shit one with the EMP a few weeks ago, the schematic of the fighter jets. Unless they thought like, oh, let's do something with the stealth bomber in a few weeks. Like they kind of knew where this was going. So we've got old Thunderball pilot here. He's walking around the base um, and he's all like, oh, what's going on, Frank? And Frank's all like, hey, hey, guess what? You're not flying. Uh, the phalange is broken. Um, and he's like, oh, do we need the phalange? Well, if you want to land, lol. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to go up to the, the mountains. Where, where does he say? Like, I'm going to knock off and get some R&R up at like Palm Springs or something like that. Um, pornography. He's going to look at <laughs> pornography. <laughs> so uh, Agent Thunderball was like, no, you're not. You're not having any uh, spare time because I need to fly this plane because I'm a pilot. Um, so he shoots him and then he goes into like the uh, other section and we've got, uh, I don't know, Robinson here. And uh, Thunderballs are like, sup, Robinson, I'm just flying. And Robinson's like, I thought the phalange was broken. And he's like, no, no, no. I put a bit of sticky on that and that's all good. He's like, all right, sign it off. Off you go. And then he gets in the plane and this is where we get that horrible stock image of the uh, the fighter jet at the very end. Which, yeah. again, we don't know what's going on. We've had a couple of like hints about the president's got a tight schedule. And then, you know, we've got this whole thing with Megan the Owlies about a military pilot's family getting murdered. So... This is what I really like about this storyline, as I keep saying. Like, I remember watching this, not knowing what's going on. It's not like within two seconds, we are going to crash Air Force One. Like, we don't know what's happening. I think Mm -hmm. it's great. So, um, yeah, Agent Thunderball here. Yeah, I mentioned last week that I I feel like, not remembering specifically what I thought, but I feel like they were sort of trying to make the audience at least have it in their head. Oh, maybe it's going to be attack on air force one. So when you don't know at the end of the last episode, what he's doing, and then there's that reveal right at the end where you just see the, 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 the jet in the background. And then this episode, to me, this is the one thing that's like maybe unintentionally silly because if I have this right, he basically talks to the mechanic and the mechanic says, Oh no, you're grounded for now. The phalange is broken. Oh, that really sucks. Then he basically changes his clothes, essentially does the equivalent of putting on a fake mustache, goes to the guy's supervisors, hey, I'm, you know, uh, Franderson, <laughs> and I'm the new head mechanic, and this plane is cleared. When he walks into the bar, he's like, yeah. hello, may I no, um, tickle you for a drink? Oh, Homer, I don't buy it for a second. What are you talking 
talking about? Oh yeah, <laughs> I was thinking the one is like I like the way Snrub thinks, uh, <laughs> Mister Burns. <yeah. laughs> but that's basically what it is because he he literally just puts on a pair of coveralls on this top secret base. Nobody has enough security to be like, all right. This guy was a pilot 10 minutes ago and now he's our head mechanic and he clears himself to take off. And this but, is a day I mean, when like the freaking Secretary of Defense has been kidnapped, a nuclear meltdown. We had the president yeah. two weeks ago like, if we have one more attack, the country will implode. But on a military base, now I'm going up to the coast for the yeah, weekend. Exactly. <laughs> but like uh, the, the sock footage at the end, I mean, I said the, in the last episode, they, they actually talk about this in the commentary. The, this episode is a commentary with uh, uh, Brian Spicer and Roger Cross, which it's actually fun listening to Roger Cross in the commentary because he, he basically is our stereotype of Curtis. Like he's not bringing up anything new. He's basically, and this is because the guy is actually not a stealth pilot, you know? <laughs> but he just, he seems like such Thanks, a Roger. fun guy. Yeah. He, he seems like such a fun guy. Like, Oh, I just want to sit down and watch an episode with Roger Cross. Uh, but th- they kind of make fun as a, yeah. And here's that terrible, very obvious stock footage uh, we have here, which they basically explain to say, our excuse for this is it is a top secret plane. You can't actually film a stealth fighter. So Captain Obvious gives us the obvious commentary there. Um, but but yeah, I'll agree with you. It's still, it's such an interesting plot they have. And the fact that we're branching off, and we mentioned last week, we haven't had it be identified in this episode where the or in this entire season where the terrorists are from. And also the fact that even from the very beginning, when we had random guy that Audrey saw at some type of White House function, you know, this is not just, oh, it's all the Arab terrorists. Like there is a bigger, you know, I guess sell at work here. And they have Americans who are doing the cause. And obviously we find out throughout the course of this season, like Anderson's motives is essentially money. And, you know, we're going to buy certain people, which is the way that real terrorists would work. It wouldn't just be, oh, we're going to all keep it just within the family. You know, they're going to have to get some people from the outside and motivate them other ways. And I think this is what they dangled enough that they wanted to explore further with the whole Logan, you know, the, the corruption, in the government and, things like that, that really from second half of next season on dominates the show until the end of season seven. So I think that, you know, they like this idea, but it's sadly they don't really stick the landing with it uh, when it comes to what they do with it. I mean, they kind of touch on it a little bit in season eight because obviously Logan comes back, but it's more of ramifications on, on Logan's actions. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like I like this idea of it's not just the the Yemenis. Like, you know, you've got an American. I mean, we had Roger Cross a few weeks ago. You're American. Um, so, like, I like that idea and I like some of the angles they try and explore this with the Logan conspiracy moving forward. But, um, yeah, I don't know. There, there, there was something there that they could have done a little bit better, but I like that they try to expand on this more. Yeah, and it's also not even out of the realm of possibilities that this terrorist organization isn't just one country. Because yeah. uh, I, I know that uh, one of the trivia things I was reading, not specifically on this episode, but just in the season and the the terrorists as a whole, is that um, I, I guess there's a, a phrase that they use, the only word that's ever spoken not in English is a Turkish word. So people are like, oh, well, maybe they're Turkish. But then you take the Araz family and their name, specifically the name Beirut is an Iranian name. So I, I kind of like the idea that this is some terrorist organization where it's like, we got people from Turkey and Iran and Yemen and even America. The United Nations of Terrorism. Yeah, like, but I mean, it's, I agree. Because it's they did that in season two, obviously, when, you know, they, they deliberately didn't mention. And then I think by season eight, they just get sick of, oh, unnamed country. So they create a country in season eight, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's a smart thing of doing. But um, yeah. They like, create a country even next season. Or is it um, is it in the movie and not next season? Oh, no, in the movie. Yeah. So they, they it's yeah. both the movie, the African nation of, was it Singala? <laughs> Um, <laughs> that I do love though. Our fictional country is Sangala. And that's basically the snrub of countries. <laughs> Senegal. No, Sangala. That's it. And then there's yeah. the uh, um, Islamic Republic or something like that. They call it for um, our good old Indian friend who went on to be Indian Jack Bauer. Um, but yeah, like one thing I'll say, like with all these conspiracy things, I mean, we touched on this in season two. Like we like that idea of like what Tobin Bell being the yeah. master of this and that other guy who like gets killed off in the game and stuff like that. So obviously this was something that 24 liked exploring and it, it would have been really cool. Cause I, I don't watch, I've never watched alias, but didn't they, it wasn't like 
SD6 was like the evil yeah. organization and stuff like that that kind of kept throughout the whole show. I, I Again, I never watched it, but like you don't really have that in 24. You kind of have a couple of carrots in season two and season four, and then all of a sudden they go, hey, season five, this is it's the Logan mm-hmm. D6. Um, so <laughs> Logan D6. Logan D6. <laughs> but um, I guess tying in with uh, Captain Thunderball here, I guess we could kind of do CTU stuff here because it's all about Meg. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like there's something so cheesily bad about this storyline, but I kind of also like it. Like I kind of like CTU kind of being inept as we've talked a lot about. And it basically like, this is what I like about this storyline. Whereas like any show or movie, it's like where the good guys, we're going to stop the plane. Whereas like due to ineptness, they don't like, I mean, all it takes is yeah. a CDR sitting on a desk, which I've got some issues about how technology worked in 2005, because I mean, we all remember <laughs> CDRs. Um, but like basically, so apparently every hour they have the hourlies where they've got to like check through like, Oh, terrorism, possible updates, which I would assume would be going through the roof on a day like this, but no, uh, it's not that important clearly. So there's hourlies in Chloe's like, Edgar, do the hourlies. I'm busy. Okay. Send it down to Meg. And then Meg's all like, do you have any idea how backed up we are? And Chloe, uh, Edgar's like, yeah, well, I'm backed up too. I ate the taquitos and I can't get them out. But uh, <laughs> please do this for me, Meg. And I, well, what's Meg's department? Like, what is what is she doing down there? Why are they backed up? And why do we only see them for the only time in CTU history? Like, they're always so short-staffed. But down here, it's freaking Grand Central Station. What's going on in the... <laughs> The sellers of CTU. She's all like, okay, I'll check it out. So she checks it out. Oh, no, pilot's family missing. Uh, Calls Chloe. Oh, hi. So there's something you should look at here. Uh, Military pilot's family missing. This could mean something. Chloe's all like, why isn't Edgar doing it? He's busy. Well, fuck Edgar. Give it to him. Okay. Now, again, technology. CDRs. This isn't a floppy disk. This isn't a thumb drive (laughs) where you just copy a file, paste, boom, remove it. A CDR to burn it, you need to click burn disk even when mm-hmm. you used to open, like there was that sort of sneak around where you could kind of half create it like a floppy disk where you could sort of burn it, but it was only read Rewritable by... CDR, yeah. But no, not even that. Like there was a method where you could sort of half burn it where it was, you had to have a certain computer to read it. So like even then that still took a good five minutes for it to process on the disk. She literally goes, takes it out, puts it on a disk. Doesn't label it. It's just pink Sony SCDR to which she then puts on Edgar's desk, which he's got like 50 colors. Flashback to memory lane. I remember all the multicolored CDRs when you used to burn CDs and that'd be, you know, mm-hmm. you did, that was cool. But like, and then she's all like, Edgar, look at this. Oh, I'll get to it. I'm busy. And desk of all the CDRs going on there on the table, um, which I mean, again, I like the ineptness because basically all it comes down to is the fact that you need this on the desk. Meanwhile, the whole plot line around CTU really is, oh, we need to trade Baru's for Jack. Well, this is what Marwan's doing. So, I mean, we'll obviously tie this into the Jack side of things, but all the background sort of section is like, oh, let's question Baru's. What does he really know? Why does Marwan really want him? None of them are catching on to the fact that this is a distraction, which I like. I like that Marwan kind of has the leg up here. Um, And eventually they come to terms with, yep, we're going to trade Jack, which, you know, I love Jack later on in the episode. It's like, why did you make the trade? Like, yeah, like Jack's just an agent. Like, you know, I know this is the Jack Bauer yeah. power hour as a viewer of 24, but like in real life, they're not doing this. I'm sorry. Um, so I guess really with CTU, I'm probably missing a lot of stuff. It's all just around the, oh, Beirut, we're going to torture you, which, I mean, do they really torture him? They stick a needle in him. Oh, I don't know anything. Oh, my mum is still alive. Oh. And then Meg and the CD and uh, um, being inappropriately blunt. That's the one quote I wrote for this one. Um, Chloe, and I love like Chloe. Is this the one where Chloe's like, oh, I'm in control. And um, uh, I was going to say Roger Cross. Uh, Curtis is all like, no, you were brought back and you're equal footing. Just pretend you're in control and you'll get yeah, an extra pay- formality. Yeah, you'll get a pay grade bump of two notches or whatever. That's what I, I love Chloe. Like, like, he says 35%. Like Sarah wasn't even asking for that much. I'm getting really angry about the Sarah thing now. <laughs> thank you. I told you, you get mad about Sarah, but I love Chloe's like reaction. Well, I should have been on that anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is where you start to really like Chloe, I think, in the second half of this season, except when she kills someone, which we'll get to that. Um, but, <laughs> oh, that's not good. Oh, it's terrible. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, again, I'm probably chilled. I know, that, I know Audrey sort of gets brought up to speed here a little bit uh, about what's happening. And I guess I should mention Bill shows up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bill Buchanan. And again, like as I think I mentioned last week, even having rewatched this last year, when they're like, oh, we've got somebody from Division coming in, I even forget that it's Bill. And then you, you brought up last week that interesting fact about how Bill was sort of brought in, you meant to dislike him. And I guess you mm-hmm. get more of that next week. But even then, like, Bill's not a Chappelle. Bill's not a Mason. Bill's not even, I mean, even when Karen gets brought in next season and he's her assistant, like, they're people that automatically you dislike. Whereas, like, mm-hmm. I even remember watching this back when it first coming on going, like, I think I'm not meant to like Bill, but I kind of like Bill. Like, yeah. he just, he's just got a way about being nice but being a bit of a prick. And he's the one where you really understand where he's coming from when he's all like, oh, no, we can't do this, we can't do that. Whereas, you know, Chappelle, Mason, they were just sleazy. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, Bill Buchanan, for people who don't know, maybe you've never watched 24, very key character. Listen to our James Morrison chat with him. He's in it for the next three or four seasons, so uh, he's very important. Although I'm not on board with the side storyline with Michelle in the coming weeks. That's a bit weird, but... I guess you've got to add to the Tony love story a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to get too ahead because it really does come up more next week, but uh, we even talk when we talk with James Morrison, that was one of the main things we talked about was bill comes in and the audience is supposed to dislike him. And yet by the end of his run, he's essentially one of the most loved characters in the history of 24. He's one of the the few people to get a silent clock. And it's not like Chloe where you grow to love Chloe, even though, she's a terrible person, you know, Bill is just a lovable guy. Uh, but uh, I'm completely with you. I mean, it's the scenario that Bill is put in that the audience is, if you've done your job right as writers over the course of the last three seasons, the audience is going to resent Bill no matter what he does. And I think that's the point is that it's not the character itself. It's, it's what the storyline is. And I'm actually interested to see how it does play out because I, I actually like this storyline that they have with Bill because it is adding something different. And at least watching it for the first time, I think people do get caught up in it a little bit. And it is sort of that fun of, you know, oh, I hate Bill for this reason. And then you realize, oh, I guess I didn't really need to hate Bill in the first place. Uh, but I mean, he, he comes in here basically as what a division boss should be. He's proving with a couple of lines in this episode and, you know, only a few scenes this is what we wanted Chappelle or Mason or mm. uh, what was her name? Uh, uh, Alberta Green to do in all the previous seasons. He's he's the right guy, but then they throw something at you in the next episode where you're like, I hate him more than Chappelle and Mason and Green combined. Um, it'll be fun to kind of watch that play out. Uh, the CTU stuff, this is actually what makes this episode work so well is this little thing they do about ineptness which i actually look at more as marwan's distraction working and i mentioned last week how i view this week here as kind of a companion last week where last week was it's all ctu creating this fake thing going on to distract marwan so that they can get the 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 leg up on him and this week is marwan it's so funny if you actually this is what i'm talking about on paper what it looks like marwan's like oh we got something big coming up in a little over an hour well ctu is going to find out about it all right, let's distract them. What are we going to distract them with it? More information than they can handle. (laughs) They don't even know about the ineptness. But then you add to that this little thing that has not necessarily been played so well this season of the office politics and the low morale, which I think they kind of had an idea with and they didn't quite know how to uh, execute it as well as I think the intention was, where everybody's just arguing with everybody. Everybody's worried about their pay. Everybody's worry about this person shouldn't have authority over me. And that just adds to Marwan has no idea about this, but his plot of I'm going to just create a distraction works because this information that they're getting, they would have gotten on a lot quicker if there wasn't this whole thing about Beirut. And how many times in the season, I'm actually looking back now on the season, all the times we sort of made fun of, it's our only lead and realizing Marwan knows this. He knows they're going to be following, especially after the attacks have happened, whatever that is the top priority. So you just say to them, I need Beirut, and they're just scratching their heads. They're like, why do they need They even say in this episode, what does he need Beirut for? It doesn't make any sense. They're like, it could just be a distraction. Yeah, but we have to follow this distraction because it's our only lead, you know? Uh, everybody knows that this could be a trick, but they kind of have to go along with it, which is 
where all the scenes that play out of where you think Edgar's dropping the ball and then you think Chloe's dropping the ball and then you think Tony's, there's even a moment here where Tony is like, oh, I've got something you might want to look at. And Tony's like, yeah, not now, later. They have everybody within CTU drop the ball so you don't look at this as CTU dropping the ball. You look at it as Marwan has the upper hand and this little hunch he played actually worked. And I think that's what I love so much about this episode is that it's such a simple thing, but this is what people get caught up on. I mean, if you look at 9-11 and you look at um, uh, Pearl Harbor, there's always something where it's like, hey, if we had acted on this a little bit quicker, we could have stopped this. And you, you don't always judge the people for not acting on it quicker. Sometimes it is, there's only so much you can do. And that's what this episode is really about. You only have so much you can do. Yes. Oh, sorry. You ended that very suddenly. Um, I mean, the, I've, I've talked about the show before. I think it's called The Looming Tower. Jeff Daniels was in it. The whole um, lead up to 9-11. And that's basically kind of a mini series on the, the 9-11 commission report about things that could have been done to stop 9-11. And it's very interesting. And I actually just finally sat down and watched... Uh, Dharma. I don't know if you've watched it, the Netflix one. And no. there are elements of that where it's kind of like, you know, famously two cops basically got one of Dharma's victims and sent him back into Dharma's house to which Dharma promptly killed him. Um, so like, you know, there are, there are moments like that where, yeah, like they kind of have that. And I like that. And I think it's also important with 24 that it's not so black and white cliche of we're going to stop everything. Like we famously talked yeah. about that season two, like that was so iconic that the bomb went off. Like, so like you kind of every now and then have to have a terrorist attack go off. Like it's, you know, this is still very raw 9-11 days. This is only three, mm-hmm. four years removed from 9-11. So this is still very much like America, war and terrorism, all that kind of stuff. Um, So yeah, and I think every now and then you need that for the drama because this is what television, when we're entering the golden age of television, you know, we often talk about the the shows that weren't afraid to kill off characters and do things like that. You know, we've talked about that with Lost, with 24, Sopranos, shows like that. But, like, it's also the storylines that you're not expecting. Like, I mean, how many yeah. big shows sort of prior to the early 2000s would ever go out in a limb and say, like, well, we're going to have a bomb go off. We're going to have a terror. Like, they were all just, like, point A, point B, 99% mm-hmm. of the time it was the good ones. And, and all the key episodes in television history that you think about that people talk about are the ones where they do something a little bit different. So yeah. And those are usually just finales, not like a mid season episode. Yeah, exactly. So like, I mean, you, you, I think we talked about ER recently on an episode and you talked about certain episodes that you remember the, the, the really famous one is called love labor Lost in the very first season, which won all the Emmys. I think that was the episode that everybody was like, wow, this show is something different. And it was from, it was about a couple. They like uh, had a miscarriage or, I think the mother might have died. I think Bradley Whitford might have played the dad from memory. And like, that is just like that, that episode would be 20, 30 years old next year. Uh, you know, 1994 in the very first season. And that's an episode which holds up to all the strong, you know, dramas and the, you know, game of Thrones style golden age of television episodes today. So they did exist. They just weren't quite as common. And, but we're kind of in this period with this episode where they're building on to that, I guess, like random rant. Uh, I, I don't think you really talked about it, not that it needs to be talked about much, but the, the, the brief scene between Audrey and Chloe, um, I, I thought well, the first time I watched this episode, I'm like, this just seems a little out of place. It, it's basically Chloe being her most obnoxious, where she's like, oh, so uh, Paul, he dead yet? <laughs> no. Uh, oh, well, I don't mean to sound, you know, uh, inconsiderate here, but uh, Jack may die too. Thank you for reminding me, Chloe. I will keep that under advisor. And it's like, oh, it's really sad if they both die. It's, just, it's such an awkward scene, but it is basically Chloe. It's almost like a parody of Chloe being Chloe. Uh, that scene was actually not in the original script. This is uh, one of the interesting things you find um, when, when TV shows, they don't know how long it's going to go. And it's when they're shooting this episode, they realized they were going to end up under time. And with network television, it's so crazy, like how specific you have to be, like down mm. to the second yeah. sometimes. And they realized they needed some extra time to fill out the episode. So this scene was essentially written day of, uh, which explains why it seems kind of out of place and why it's maybe a little bit sillier than the rest of the, stuff of the episode. But it's just hilarious. Like It's like Chloe at her absolute worst and Audrey just like, thank you very much. Can you please leave now? Actually, one thing I like too, which again, talking about bucking the norm going a bit different, is that it's the Michelle Tony sort of disagreement where he's all like, you've got to tell Audrey. And she's like, no, we don't need to tell Audrey. This is none of her business. Oh. And then Audrey shows up and she's just like, so Jack. And Michelle's yeah, like, yeah. he's going to die. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the other the other funny part of that episode, that scene there uh, too was where uh, I think it's Michelle it, when Tony's basically saying, "Yeah, you really should tell Audrey." You know, uh, you know, her and Jack are kind of a thing. And first of all, Michelle should already know that, like everybody else knows. And she goes, "What?" But she's married, <laughs> and I just wanted Tony to be like. We were too. <laughs> Things happen. <laughs> um, yeah, isn't it terrible when people get married and they cheat on their spouses? It uh, <laughs> never happens. Um, so I guess the Jack stuff. Um, so Jack's being the Indoraptor again in the car. Like he's like faking to be asleep because Marwan's like, hmm, is the guy that we've kidnapped who works for the government who we probably should have killed 10 minutes ago. Do you think he might hear this conversation? No, he's asleep. That's okay. <laughs> and Jack's like, mm, mm, mm. oh, I'm asleep. <laughs> I could not hear anything. Side, side thing here. This is just out of curiosity. Did you ever like, uh, if, if you, whether you couldn't sleep or you were just trying to stay up, did you ever like fake, if your parents come to check on you and you're yeah. faking sleep? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure everybody did. Were you, were you good at it? Your parents like, Ben, stop faking it. <laughs> Get back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I faked other things. Um, no, it's pretty good. <laughs> I think my parents believe me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, Casper, we we're always having to check on him. Cause one of the things he does is he will cover his head Stabs completely people. with a blanket. <laughs> check for the knife. It's under the pillow, but he'll like cover his head completely. And we know for a fact, he's not faking sleep because I mean, if, if you wake him up, like he'll let it be known, but he covers his head and he will be within like two hours, just dripping in sweat. And this happens every single night, no matter how many times you tell him, don't cover his head, he covers his head. So it's, it's basically the opposite where we're like, he's asleep. Try not to wake him up as we're like, Prying these blankets off his head. I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, Casper would never be able to fake being slave, <laughs> nor would he even bother can you trying. Just, can you just be honest with people who are listening to the show? You cover his head uh, to shut him up. <laughs> cover his head, Jamie. Grab his feet. I'm under, so shut. <laughs> I'm under a blanket. I'm under a blanket. Um, just quickly, uh, Meg, actually her character <laughs> is Meg T. Um, so I don't know, is there another Meg? In 24 that we need to to work about, um, played by Carmen Molinari. She's never in any other episode outside of this. Um, so nor is her department identified either. Yeah, what is you know on, on on the whole thing with the hourlies too? I mean, is this hourlies overflow? Is that her department? One thing I actually just thought of this funny is that Chloe's reason for not doing this. Uh, or I, I think she basically says, well, that's Edgar's job now. And then Edgar calls Chloe and actually asks her, what am I supposed to do with this? And Chloe says, it's the hourlies. You go through it hourly. Chloe's been gone more than an hour. Is that explain the pile on Edgar's? The hourly overflow. Meg has just been dropping these on his desk for the last six hours. Because yeah. he's only asking now, what do I do with the hourlies? How many hourlies does he have to go through now? Chloe's, <laughs> even looked at these. Chloe's in the wrong here. She's pointing off the uh, the work there. Just uh, quickly on Carmen Molinari. Uh, if you want to go to CarmenMolinari.com, you have an overly large photo of her. As soon as you like log onto her website, it's like, whoa, Carmen, there she is. Uh, <laughs> like it just hits you in the face. Um, she's got some nice photos over there. She's- oh, that is huge. <laughs> right? It's you. Her entire face doesn't even fit in the screen. Also, I love it when you click on photos for her headshots. It is exactly the same photo every single time, except one time she's got a <laughs> denim jacket on. She's got a red head scarf on. Oh, she's got a stethoscope on. Uh, I, like the st- I like the head wrap. I can also play Aram. Also, she has two stethoscope photos, one with a smile, <laughs> one with slightly more of a blank face. Uh, <laughs> and if you go to her reels, uh, you can see her from I'm Sorry, from 24, from Without a Trace, Option 2, Mummies and Daddies, and The Women Control. Oh, good for her. And she's got an Instagram. How many people follow her on Instagram? A grand total of 22,000. Jesus. What? Carmen's popular. <laughs> ben, you, just need to, you just need to get the same headshot done over and over again in different outfits and you can have 22,000 uh, followers. She has a cat and she's got a picture of her and a cat with devil ears. Oh, <laughs> oh I like Carmen. Good for her. Meg. Do you think we could send her a message on Instagram just going, shut up, Meg, and she would get it? <laughs> sure she would. <laughs> Bit mean. Anyway, so Jack overhears the conversation. Marwan's on the phone to Captain Thunderball. You must do what we are told because we are evil. Um, I fucking love the scene, though, between Jack and Marwan. This is one I talked about last week yeah. when, like, Jack's tied up. Although I always love a good production still uh, when it looks so fake. But anyway, um, this conversation back and forth, we're like, 
they're both so in belief of their causes and they're kind of both right. Like Jack's mm. like, what you're going to achieve today, you're not going to fucking achieve because we're America and we stopped. <laughs> we, you know, we stopped you. And Marwan's like, well, did you really? Like 30 people dead in a train bombing. Uh, we killed a bunch of people on that island. Uh, and what we got <laughs> planned next was kind of going to fuck you guys up for a while, literally. Again, like I talk about the footprints this season have on future seasons, right? Like I talk about the episode with mm-hmm. China in a few episodes. Think about what Marwan's about to do next week. By doing what he does with Air Force One, that puts Logan in power. So, therefore, yeah. Marwan, like, you know, sets that up. So, just saying, do you think about what he's doing here? He's kind of right. But then Jack's like, no, fuck you, America. We stopped, like, a hundred of them. So, like, again, he's also technically right because they, you know, stopped it. And then I, I love, like, Marwan's line here. He's like, well, what are people going to remember today? The image of your secretary, you know, scared on TV and all those people. And then Jack's like, huh, you don't know America. We're American. <laughs> like, <laughs> Fuck you! Like I'd love, I'd love to see like Canadian twenty four. Like, ooh, eh. uh, sorry, sorry that you killed so many people. But uh, would you like to be friends? Uh, like <laughs> British, British twenty four. We just say, oh, tally ho, chap. Shit, we're so ashamed of ourselves. And Australian twenty four. Like, what happened? <laughs> Who? You, you killed some people. Ah, shit, that's a shame. Oh well, want to go to the footy? <laughs> French, uh, we we must run away. <laughs> the French aren't even there. The French have buggered off. <laughs> yes, you can kidnap our secretary and take out our nuclear power plant. We are off in Luxembourg. We are hiding. <laughs> Just don't touch Gerard Depardieu. <laughs> <laughs> do not touch. Do not touch our glove mascots for Paris 2024. <laughs> we love our glove. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Germans, well, let's not get started there. Um, but anyway, I love this scene between the two of them and basically Marwan's just like going through the motions here and he's, this isn't breakfast. What time is this for you? Is this dinner? It's, brec- it's breakfast for supper. That's that's a thing. Jesus, what? <laughs> <laughs> that's not a thing outside of Canada. There's a huge thing here. Is it like 5 p.m. for you right now? What is this? It's dinner yeah. time. That's 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 a thing. It's called breakfast for supper. Oh, so you're having breakfast for dinner, basically. Yes. Right. Okay. Well, fair enough. Yeah, no, that that works. Some people do it. Um, I had bacon and eggs for dinner the other night, so I guess that technically is a breakfast meal. So, good for you, Colin, and thanks, Jamie. Do you ever say thank you to your wife when she brings you food? Thank her. I mean, Colin. I try. I try not to cut. You. I'll do it next time. I'll cut you off right in mid thought. Right now, yell out <laughs> to your you, wife. Jamie. Thank you. There you thank go. Thank you. <laughs> good. That's what I like. Now, don't say. yell at me if we run long. <laughs> That's what you say when you have sex too. Um, so yeah, Marwan's basically to his uh, secretary here, terrorism secretary. Like, we've got Jack, and we're going to distract CTU. And secretaries are all like, they haven't discovered it yet. Oh, I contacted my friend at the LAPD, and they're like, I love how he's just got a friend at the LAPD going like, yeah, g'day, Jim. Uh, no, haven't checked on that yet. So you're pretty good. Um, Jack also then shorts out a, a wall thing here, which basically will enable them to find the compound next week. Actually, the one thing, the, the glaring plot hole of this episode, um, what's the face? Dina got killed, what, two minutes to go last week, right? Like, mm-hmm. And then at the beginning of this episode, they've found Dina's body. And then like <laughs> 10 seconds later, they've the ME have done a report. She's been dead in less than 30 minutes. Once again, the medical crew in 24. We saw this in season two with Megan. You've definitely got concussion. Like, they're, they're fantastic. <laughs> Imagine the 24 medical department on ER. Like, you'd have a 10-minute episode every single week. He has cancer, but we've cured it. Next week on <laughs> ER. Uh, <laughs> like, how they find this body? And, like, why are they arresting everyone? Like, how quickly have they buggered off? Like, surveillance, all this sort of stuff. They found the van the other week. Like, Jesus fucking Christ, they should be able to find Marwan in two seconds. They found the body that quickly. Maybe it it all ties back to their their plans that they didn't want Dina to be dead, so they wanted to keep this home a season from now. It wasn't actually Dina's body we found. I should have known that you can't find a body that quickly (laughs) in this universe. Could have worked. Um, Jack basically ends up getting traded the Die Another Day route. Not shirtless. Colin, uh, Zhao is not shirtless in this scene either, but I kind of like it when they're going down like the the foggy plank, um, and then what is what does Beru say? Where is my mother? I'll Jack. I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't want to die. <laughs> like I just want Jack to turn around and say, "Oh, your mother's dead." Like Jesus Christ. I just want. Why you're horny already? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't had sex with her in like an hour. Um, <laughs> But I do love a good trade-off scene here, like, you know, down the bridge. 
uh, kind of like the the snipers, the uh, terrorists are getting ready to take out Jack, but then in comes Roger Cross and crew to shoot the sniper. And then I just love Marlon. It's like, eh, who cares? We distracted you enough. We've got the boy. We don't really want him. Uh, I love how the fact that they like put a tracking in his neck and then he's like, CTU kind of come across as a bit dumb here. Oh, I'm sure they won't recognize this distraction of a giant watch. <laughs> Meanwhile, we've got the real tracker in his neck. <laughs> Like, you know, it reminds me of um, I Spy with Eddie Murphy and Owen Wilson, where he's like his tracking device is the size of a brick and it just won't attach to the bottom of the car because uh, yeah. it's too heavy. Hello, we, did, we, we ended up doing that movie, didn't we? We did. No, we had plans. It was supposed uh, to be before No Time to Die. And no Time to Die kind of got delayed over and over again. We did um, Showtime with Rene Russo. That's what we did. Yeah. I, I knew we did. We've done two of the three really bad 2002 Eddie Murphy movies, which mm-hmm. I stand by the fact that they're not really that bad. Um, but yeah, I love I Spy. Famke Jansen, Owen Wilson... Isn't Terrence Stamp in that as well? Terrence Howard, Terrence oh, he's Stamp, in, one of them? I, I'm all right now thinking Bowfinger with Terrence Stamp and uh, you, you will not whip it out in front of the Laker girls. <laughs> keep it together, keep it together, keep it together, keep it together. K-I-T, keep it together. Keep it together, keep it together, keep it together. <laughs> as uh, I stand before you today, the Laker girls need to be taken down a notch. Again, that actually wasn't Eddie Murphy acting. That, that was just Eddie Murphy. <laughs> We know he had troubles uh, distinguishing genders in the 90s with uh, certain women. So he was just really trying to make sure this time around. Um, but the trade-off happens. Uh, Baruz then gets his little thing taken out of his neck. Bye-bye, Baruz. This is it. No more Baruz. Wasn't he a great character? Which, again, you did mention there are deleted scenes with him moving forward, obviously. Um, and I love Jack. Like, why did you make the trade? Why did you make the boy? Um, but, yeah. That that's kind of the I've, I've probably gelled over a lot of stuff, but like the Jack scene with Marwan is fantastic. Like I mean, yeah, don't know if it's top five worthy, but it's such a great scene. I love their sort of back and forth, you know, between each other. It's so good. And this is one of the things they did so well in season four was giving. I'm not going to say justifiable reasons for the terrorists, but letting the audience actually see it from their point of view, at least, you know, uh, we had that with Dina earlier on where she was like, I believe in my cause hundred percent. And, uh, the, the part where Jack was basically saying like, you're going to kill millions of people. And she's like, as opposed to the millions that you, your country kills every single day. Um, they both kind of make sense here, yeah. you know? And, and I think the best thing about it is it's not even a debate about which country's better. It's a debate about what will the country remember. And if anything, I actually think Marwan makes a better point here because he, uh, Jack is saying they're, what they're going to remember is we stopped you. And he's like, blew up a train, kidnapped the secretary of defense, whatever's coming next. I won't spoil it. And it's like, I'm pretty sure that that's what they'll remember. But in all honesty, um, they're going to remember the attacks more than something you stopped. Because whatever you stop is never going to be made public. And even if it is made public, like I'm thinking about um, after 9-11, there was the the terrorist attack that was intended in Canada that they did stop. And that kind of made news. Like there was this massive chase and everything. And it was like subway cars, basically like an action movie. And they, they essentially came public and said, this was a terrorist attack. It was going to be like 9-11 in Toronto, but we were able to stop it. People don't really remember that. People do remember the shooting on the Capitol here in Canada a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, even they did stop that in the middle of it. But you're going to remember the tragedy. I mean, there's a reason why people still remember the falling man from 9-11 and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, so Marwan has a point. His point is even so much, I want to cause terror in America. His point is like, I want America to remember this. And and it's more about discouraging America than anything else. And Jack is a little bit delusional here when he's like, we'll stop you. We're America, you know? I, I mean, I agree with you, but like, I, I think also the flip side of that, you think 9-11 people maybe remember United 93 more so than some of the other stuff as oh, well because yeah. they stopped that. But yeah, no, like I, I agree with you completely. I think <laughs> we're on board with but- Marwan. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely are on board with the terrorists. That's- Sign us up. Yes, <laughs> I want to be the next Anderson. We are the 9-11 um- podcast. <laughs> When's that going to happen? The 9-11 podcast. <laughs> we cover 9-11 from all angles. This week, the terrorist son. <laughs> Coming soon from Noah Groves. <laughs> yeah. Pro, Pro 9-11, the podcast. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I mean, Jack's stuff with just being held captive too. I mean, it's still intense because you don't see Jack held captive. And this is the most interaction dream, I think we've ever had. <laughs> I'm sure it actually happened when you were in New York as well. I mean, Did I say that out loud? Yeah. <laughs> But like, if I look back at past seasons, and I, I even mentioned this last week, like we're getting like 
you know, uh, act one of Jack versus Marwan. And this is kind of episode two of Jack and Marwan's fa- uh, face off. Then we're going to have it again at the end of the season. This is the most we've gotten out of Jack and a villain. And it's sort of like you said how, you know, Marwan's kind of the forgotten villain. It's like, yeah, he's great, but you don't remember him to the same level. But they do so many things so well with him that they, I don't think that they did with other villains. So this could be you know, a season where by the end of it, now on a rewatch, I'm like, Marwan might be my favorite villain. I don't know, because he's so solid. Like Arnold Vos was so solid and it, more so the way that it's written and the way that it's directed is what's handled so well with uh, all their interactions. But Jack shorting out the box. I mean, this is basically setting up next week. I mean, it means nothing to the audience right now, uh, but you, you have to know that Jack's on top of it. Um, mm. Yeah. The die another day scene is amazing. Uh, and uh, actually I, we'll, we'll talk, I guess a little bit about, the fact we don't see Baruz, like we we mentioned with Dina, oh, it's kind of underwhelming now when you look back on it, but you understand what their intention was, was we meant to maybe bring her back at some point. Uh, with with Baruz, it's actually even more so. They mentioned in the commentary, uh, Roger Cross mentions that there was a it's scene a that they filmed. <laughs> this is a commentary. That is Roger Cross. That is Jonathan Adut. Uh, But Roger Cross, or Roger Cross, now Roger Cross is a person. Uh, um, He's a Curtis. <laughs> Curtis is actually supposed to save Beruz, which they filmed not knowing which episode it would go in. It was okay. We're either going to put it on the end of this episode or the beginning of the next episode. Uh, it, it's sort of introduced at the beginning of the next episode, but there's no second deleted scene. So either it was meant to be later in the season or it, they basically filmed the one scene for the one episode. And then they're, after that episode, they said, you know what? We're not going to bother with this. We just cut the scene. People can just, he kept guessing on the Beru's thing. Did you hear about this thing about uh, Beruzing becoming a word among the 24 community? Beruzing? No. Yeah. So uh, the, the audience, I guess, had so many issues with Beru's being dropped and never followed up on that any time a character just disappeared uh, with no explanation, including Keeler. Kelly. Was, yeah, okay. Purple, yeah, Beruzing became the term that was used online for this. Um, I actually wish that, like Dina... They just said, we can keep this open, but let's give it more of a conclusion because the final line Beirut gives to Jack is kind of haunting if you know you'll never see him again, where he's basically saying, where's my mother? And Jack's is on beats me, you know? <laughs> and then Beirut's last line here as he's walking past him is he looks at, I don't want to die. And when you know this is like a 15-year-old kid that's saying, I don't want to die, and you're going to see him briefly in a car ride where they take out his tracker and then he's gone – it would make this such like a, a haunting ending for his character. There's also a funny line that Beirut has throughout the episode where he says like, a, you guys are treating me like a terrorist or something like that. It's like, well, you are actually a terrorist, you know? Uh, but yeah. y- y- you look at Beirut as a different character. This isn't like an innocent 50-year-old kid who's dying. He's done some bad things, but he's also a minor who's being led by his parents. So I just wish that maybe they had made this more concrete what happened to Beirut's uh, and there is more to come in the finale where he was supposed to come back the second time. They're like, oh, we also just decided not to bother explaining that. But can you just imagine that line of I don't want to die and then just you never well, see him again? I think it also works too in the fact that you get that line when he's getting his tracker removed from him about I want to see my mother. Your mother is dead. So you kind of just have this tragic ending. Like as much as like I can see the whole Beirutzing thing like that, and yeah, it's a bit annoying. But like I, I think you're onto something. I think it kind of just works. Like it kind of just works. you got this like – I don't want to die. Your mother is dead. And then that's kind of left open-ended. I mean, I have more issues with so many other characters being left open-ended than this. Um, You know, it's done in a way which unintentional because obviously they wanted other scenes with him, but unintentionally you kind of leave this open-ended to the point where it's like, well, you just kind of feel this kid's got a poor fate, you know, like I think it kind of just, it just kind of works. Um, Mm -hmm. But I mean, you know, bit of conclusion, having a Marie point of him in like a Hannibal Cage or a phone call from Jack next season. Hey, Baruse, how you doing? I'm sorry we had to break up. Uh, yeah, it's the Kate scene all over again. <laughs> uh, did you get the box of like your toothbrush and stuff that I sent? I'm sorry that it didn't work out between us. I do love the photo in the official guide where it's got a picture of like Curtis choking Baruse and says, Curtis gets rough on Baruse. <laughs> Ooh, well, and I think that's what's interesting that there is this deleted subplot that even watching next week, I think they kind of cut it in the middle of filming is because it basically became Curtis's mission. Curtis is the one who felt responsible for this. And that kind of just gets left out completely. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, kind of like Curtis for a lot of uh, episodes. <laughs> just, yeah. It's left out completely. I'm not in this episode. Um, <laughs> book things. It's a lot about uh, James Morrison and Bill. So additional intel. James Morrison has a varied career in the arts that includes acting, directing, and being a yoga teacher. He began his acting career as a wire, a wire walker and a clown in the circus. Did we, we talked about that. What? Did we talk about him being a clown? I don't remember. I remember his documentary being really interested in checking that out. But, wow, we got to have him back on just to talk more about clown stuff. I feel we did. I feel we've had a guest on this show where we've talked about them being a clown. Uh, Oh, that was Janet. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Since then, he's won a Los Angeles Drama Critics Circle Award, written and directed the short film Parking, and published a book of prose and poetry called Fog Slow to Clear. There you go. Uh, And then there's just a lot of... uh, talking uh interview how gordon talking about uh introducing him and everything they love bill they love james morrison in this book talking a lot about him uh other trivia i liked some of these ones here that this is the first episode of the season not to feature james heller so this is also the only episode of the first six seasons to not feature a sitting or non-sitting president it is the only episode of the season as well not to feature at least one of these presidents, John Keeler, James Heller, Charles Logan, or David Palmer. So this is the only episode in six, the first six seasons that we don't have either a future, a current, or a past president. And that's a kind of cool stat. Yeah, uh, the only other trivia I got from the commentary um, was that that one kind of on-the-spot scene they decided to do with Audrey and Chloe the concern they had, and this was something that stressed out at least one person in the crew tremendously, was the fact they were both wearing pink. Because <laughs> uh, that's a no, it, it really is like it legitimately is a no no. Like you don't want to have people wearing the same color, you want distinction. But this was like it was a big debate and everything. It's like, oh, but can we really do this? Because they're both wearing pink. Can we just make it a different character? Well, real people wear pink, Colin. Um, I do love the IMDb trivia. Sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's just like, what? At one point, one of Marwan's men tells him that CTU is about to find out that the pilot and his family are missing. However, as far as anyone knows, the pilot is not missing, but at work about <laughs> to fly the Phoenix. Well, it says, and his family, idiot. Yeah. Um, that's the report. That's the whole point of the CDR. Uh, so somebody read that correctly. Um, the shot of the FCT quality is very different from the rest of the episode. Uh, Prisoner Exchange <laughs> takes place in this episode just as one does. On day one, 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. What's that exchange in that episode? Um, oh, that's the uh, Drazen. Nina? No, the uh, the the Drazen on the bed. Oh, season it? one? Yeah, season one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, Kim and, and the Drazen kid, right? Or the other way around? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, well, you know what we're talking about. We're big 24 fans. We love it. Um, <laughs> I'm just so distracted by Carmen Molinari's massive photo. <laughs> You know what's ah! so funny? I, I go to the about section on her website and I guess she does stuff with like pet rescues and everything. And there's a picture where she's being licked in the face oh, by a dog. You can tell she's trying to look pleased with it, but she looks terribly unhappy that this dog is licking her in the face. And that's why she has so many pictures of like kitty cats on a thing. Oh, she has a LinkedIn uh, page not found. <laughs> <laughs> she being fired. Um, I am going to buy this episode, Colin Hilding. I like this episode. It is a good episode of 24. So I am going to purchase it with my limited funds. What are you going to do? With I'm, I'm going to buy it as well. And, oh. um, can I jump? Can I jump in here with my ranking? You most certainly can, Colin Hilding. Okay, because this is what I was saying last week that I was surprised I didn't have any episodes in my top 10. I had just watched this episode, and at the time, after watching this, I thought, yeah, this is probably a top 20 episode. This one's actually going to be in my top 10. Um, So this is only my second season four episode in my top 10. I've got this at number nine right now. Oh, wow. That's a a big leap. I don't know if I'd go that far. And like, this is like, it's it's not that, you know, the storyline is already, it's just, it's, to me, this is like From Russia With Love. We talk about From Russia With Love as like a very simple plot, but it's just the idea that like these two spy organizations playing off of each other and the spy games was so good. And that's what I love in this episode is uh, Brian Spicer directed this one. That's right. Brian Spicer did a bang up job. He did a John Cassar style job here of uh, just really making this Marwan versus CTU thing work without making anybody look stupid, which is the best part. I mean, I don't disagree with you. I just... 
don't have this anywhere near my top 10. Um, I have this at 42nd. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a good episode, but, like, I don't think it's that good. Um, but you do you. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good episode. I agree with most of what you say. I just not that high up. Next week, though, high up. Um, it's an amazing episode. Just saying this next week, this is the second best episode of the season. I will say there's one better to come. Um, so, but looking at my overall ranking, so this of course is uh, looking at all 216 episodes, including Legacy. This episode next week will just be outside my top 10. Spoiler alert, 12th overall wow. out of 216 episodes. So uh, there you go. But um, it's an amazing episode. The final moments I'm sure probably will be the number one moment of this season. Uh, potentially that and the ending of another episode to come. It will fight it out with that. But, uh, I mean, even like this is known as the episode that dot, dot, dot happens at the end, which we have given away before, just uh, <laughs> stay up to date with that. But I still think this is an episode where everything in the lead up to it is also so good. But the ending of next week, I, I remember watching that vividly. I remember just sitting there staring at my screen going, what the fuck just happened? Did they really do that? This is a, did they really do that moment of 24? And yeah, there is an epic moment still to come this season in episode 20, which is amazing, but it's not really a did they do that moment. It's more of the manner in which they do it, which is makes it so amazing to watch. This is a, oh, my God, they let the bomb off moment. You know, this is a, oh, my God, they killed Terry moment. This is a holy fuck, they went there moment next week, and it's pretty epic. Yeah, th- this is um, up there with, like, Chappelle's death for me as yeah. one of the most shocking moments. And uh, I'm glad as well that I did watch this episode already so that I have some time to digest and everything like this week. Cause there's a few things that I'm, I'm not quite crazy about in this episode, but then when you get to the end, I'm like, okay, maybe that didn't work throughout the episode, but it works now that you see the ending. And uh, this one moment, I mean, this is going to be a top five moment for us at the end of the season, the, the end of uh, next week's episode. Possibly That's what one. it's all about. Yeah. It, 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 it could be fighting it out uh, for number one, but um, outside of that, I mean, you, you, we're going to get like the introduction to um, uh, what's the name? Logan, Logan. Yeah. So we're going to get nice uh, bill introduction to him. And I'm more so excited about where that's going to lead because Logan for me, season four, Logan is my favorite Logan. Oh, 100%. <laughs> you know? I was going to say that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Season four, Logan is basically Edgar of the, the presidential cabinet. <laughs> um, he is a walking disaster that like, oh, uh, like I know I'm supposed to hate this guy, but I kind of like that he's a disaster. And that's what I, I'm glad you brought that up because I think the storyline, what they do with Logan, it's clear to see why they brought him back as the actual president and then I think it's clear to see why they went a direction with him, which again, I will point out, if you know that twist next season, watch the early parts of season five and tell me if you think it works. Because to me, mm-hmm. as, as high, iconic and high up as the second half of season two gets, the second, the, the last third really of season five is, on a rewatch, and I really hope you're with me next season, that it doesn't hold up as well as you remember it when you first watch it. Mm. But I think what works with Logan is the end of season four because it's kind of cool to have this sort of, guy who's thrust upon in the presidency and really doesn't know what he's doing. And then like, he's so conflicted about things. And that's Logan. Logan's so conflicted about things. And that's what makes him such a great character. It just works better here than it does in the second part of season five. It's just, it's so great to me that like they did a better designated survivor with the vice president 24 than designated survivor did with the, the, what is it? The, the chief of agriculture or whatever. Like well, I, I kind of wanted designated survivor to be more Logan like, and we didn't necessarily get that. Yes. And no, I think the difference is, is that Logan's a Weasley character who I don't think you ever meant to like, whereas Kiva Sutherland's meant to be like the, uh, the whole, the whole underlying tone of designated survivor is not all politicians are bad deep down. They're human. And then we can get a good guy in the white house. And this was sort of around Trump as well. Remember? So I think they kind of went high on the cheese factor. Did you ever actually watch all of Designated Survivor, or did you only watch some of it? Not the third season. Is that the the Netflix one where yeah. Kiva's allowed to say fuck? Um. Yeah, never saw that one. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's okay. Um, it's one of those shows that you watch, you like. There's nothing high up or low. It's like when Blue Bloods ends. I'm like, well, I enjoyed Blue Bloods, but can I remember key moments of Blue Bloods? <laughs> no. <laughs> who's, who's playing Oz Network Bingo? We have insulted Noah. We've talked about Blue Bloods. <laughs> exactly. Um, but we'll be back next week with that. Um, I believe we're still in the midst of DC month uh, at the moment. Yeah. 
which of course is happening. Um, all those great episodes, which I believe, if my math are correct, this week is actually the first episode. Um, no, second episode. So this week will be Zack Snyder's Justice Zack League. Snyder. Join yeah. us for five hours of uh, content. <laughs> Uh, I mean, this is longer than Titanic, and Titanic went for five hours. So, uh, but I think the difference is Colin and I like this movie, so we're not going to be yelling at each other a lot. Well, in this movie. I think I think the other flip side to that is we've already discussed a lot of what is in this movie. Yeah. On another recap, so we're we're not necessarily have to dissect everything, but uh, it's it's a good. I, I rewatched this recently, and of course, I just rewatched it right now because you're going to be listening to the episode in a few days. But uh, uh, this is like a movie that gets better. <laughs> the more you watch it. I've got a, and I loved it the first time I saw it. Maybe if I have the time, I will uh, rewatch the theatrical release as well as listen to our mm. recap of it. Because I, to be honest with you, like I remember liking the theatrical I think you and I are the only two on the planet that liked the theatrical release of um, Justice League, but I cannot remember mm. our episodes. But anyway, that's this week. All the other stuff that's happening off the podium, that's a good show too. 007, yeah, it's okay. Um, and Eurovision coming soon in a few months where I believe Colin Hilding will be joining us for the first uh, time possibly. I will be. Yay, Eurovision. Uh, my name is Ben and I was inappropriately blunt, wasn't I? I do that a lot. <laughs> yeah, you would take that one. Um, my name is Colin and props to Carmen Molinari. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the oznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. <laughs>